glad you're here. Uh, welcome online. We're glad you're here as well. We are finishing up a series called Belong, and what we've been talking about is the fact that uh, Peter wrote out this list of seven qualities that is in every follower of Jesus. I actually think it's in every human being. Uh, and then as the Holy Spirit gets a hold of these seven things, we begin to be transformed. This fancy word for it is called sanctification, but we all have these things. And so we've been talking about it, and we've been kind of leaving the best for last. This is the last week, and I'm going to tell you right up front, it's on love Okay, and uh, we look at the word love and we see it all over the place. I love uh, Tom Brady, um, you know, whatever. We use that word for, 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 for everything, you know, and then we use it for, you know, there's like an intimate love between spouses. There's like a love for a child, all these different things. Well, Peter ends his list with love. And what we've been talking about this whole time are two things. One is that each one builds on it on the other one. So you start out um, with goodness, and that's just basically making right choices, being good. Kind of what you would think if you're not a follower of Jesus, and let's say you just ended up here at church, and you're, you're, you're maybe coming back to the Lord, or maybe for the first time you thought maybe through the pandemic, you know, I need some spiritual stuff in my life or whatever. You kind of know this already. You're supposed to be good. Okay, make right decisions, don't lie, don't steal, all that. But, but unfortunately for a lot of people, that's what Christianity is boiled down to, is this, this idea of goodness. You, you be good. Christians make right choices. Uh, bad people make bad choices and all this kind of stuff. And so then you go to knowledge. Well, what, what do I need? What knowledge do I need to be good? And we talked about the fact that knowledge is not just information, but it's knowing him. Uh, 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 it says in the Bible, knowing him and the power of his resurrection, yay, and the fellowship of his sufferings, boo, okay, but we know him. Okay, so we go to knowledge, then we go to self-control. Now that we have this knowledge, how do we control ourselves to be more and more like Jesus? And we talked about self-control is just being controlled by Christ, really. That's all self-control is. And it's hard, which is why the next one's perseverance, because you got to keep working on that. you got to keep kind of clipping along, chugging along. So you got perseverance. And then you move on from perseverance to godliness. And we talked about that sometimes godliness looks like um, goodness, like you're trying to make the right decision, like you want to be godly, you, you know, make the, make the right decision. And so we move uh, away from that. Godliness is just a kingdom perspective. Godliness is just an idea that we know that this world isn't going to last forever with cell phones and music and all that stuff. It's not going to last forever. Uh, and so, so, in other words, that's the filter in which we live. Godliness. We look out, we say, okay, we know Jesus is coming back, or I'm going to die before that, and so how, am I, uh, how ought I to live? So you go from godliness to um, brotherly kindness, and that's what we talked about last week. And we talked about why is brotherly kindness towards the end? It's because it's, a, um, it's hard. It's hard to love somebody you don't like. Right? Brotherly kindness is just trying to get to a place where you like somebody, right? And then it ends with love. So let's go ahead and take a look at the list, and we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll do like we've always done. We just kind of get it uh, tied up. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. This is the beginning part of that list. And 
sweetie, if you can get me my glasses in my office, that'd be awesome. Um, so his divine power has given us everything we need. Uh, I've memorized it all. It doesn't really matter. But anyway, if I had to read something, I'd like to be able to. Uh, his divine power has given us everything for life and godliness. So when you become a follower of Jesus, right? Uh, thank you. When you become a follower of Jesus, you have been given everything for life and godliness. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at a section of scripture where Jesus basically says just that. Like, hey, we're, we're, we're going to, um, uh, I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to uh, make sure that you're okay, that you're not left alone. So everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through our knowledge, not of the Bible, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Wow, I can really see now. You're the best, dude. Thank you. Thank you. I love this, I love this church so much. It's like, uh, anyway, that was awesome. Uh, through our knowledge of him who called by us. Oh, and welcome everyone who's on the patio, by the way. I just wanted to remind you, we do know about you. Through this knowledge... Now watch, it says, through these, he has given us his precious promises so that through them, and here we go, this is the whole point of the list, that you may participate in the divine nature. And you say, John, I've only been a Christian for four seconds. I just accepted the Lord now. You have been given everything you've been, uh, pertaining to life and godliness that you may participate in the divine nature. Now we get started in the sanctification process. Is that a car? Oh, Tai Chi. I had a chai tea this morning, but not Tai Chi. It'll be, it'll be fine. Thank you. Thank you for closing those windows. We love our neighbors, by the way. Uh, just not while I'm preaching. I, can't, I don't like them when I preach. So he says this. So for this very reason, so just for those of you watching online, there's music playing on, on the outside. For this very reason, make every effort. In other words, our lives, once we enter into this relationship with Jesus, we begin to flip it and go, okay, let's go down the list. Goodness, how am I doing? Knowledge, how am I doing? Self-control, perseverance, right? Godliness, brotherly kindness. I make every effort to add to my faith, goodness. To goodness, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. Perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities, especially love, and I believe love is the very last one because it is the absolute hardest. And if you don't have those other things in order, it's going to be hard for the love part. Have these qualities in increasing measure... In other words, just because we have been given everything pertaining to life and godliness doesn't mean we're accessing everything pertaining to life and godliness. I can give you all the tools in my garage, but if you don't use them, you're not going to be able to build anything, right? So in increasing measures, they will keep you from being ineffective or unproductive, and that's the goal. The goal, church, whether you're at this church or you're at another church or whatever, the goal is that you are effective, and productive in your walk with Jesus. And that as a community of followers of Jesus, we are here to help each other in that process, knowing that we belong together with these seven qualities that we have together. Now, 
So we get to love. Love is the last one. It's the hardest one. And so how do we define this idea of love? Because we use that word all the time. Like, I love tacos. And, and, and so it's like, I love tacos and I love Jesus. Well, which love is it? Now, scholars have gone into great detail on the use of the word love and how there's different there's Philadelphia, which is what we talked about last week, which is brotherly kindness. There's agape, and, 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 and like all these different scholars have all these different reasons why they're being used at this thing. Go ahead and read all those things. But this is the love you know when you see it. This is the love that doesn't have a definition. You just see it happening and you go, oh yeah, that's it. That church, that group of people, that small group, yeah, they, that's love. So Jesus, at the end of his life, he's gone through three years of ministry, and he's talking to his disciples, and he knows that his, that his disciples are it. This is the next, the, once he goes, he goes. Now, again, I, I talked about, we'll see this in scripture, but for like three chapters, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So Jesus isn't leaving and just leaving the disciples by themselves. He's sending an advocate, a helper, the Holy Spirit that's going to help them. The same Holy Spirit you have access to, which is pretty cool if you think about it. The same Holy Spirit that Peter, uh, that uh, was inspiring Peter to write these words is the Holy Spirit that you have access to today. And so Jesus, at the end of his life, he has just washed the, washed the disciples' feet. Um, the perfect example of brotherly kindness that we talked about last week. The only reason we didn't mention it is because I had just preached on that section of scripture six months ago, and I kind of have a little rule that I have to at least go a year before I'm going back. Anyway, so, uh, but that was it. He washes their feet, and then he realizes this is it. This is it. He's only got a few more hours really to live. And he's only got a few more hours with these, in this case, guys that he was with. So what's he going to say? He does exactly like you or I would do. If you knew that you only had a little bit of time, you'd grab the people closest to you and you'd say, hey, 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 I want to talk to you for a second. In this, the word Jesus is starting off with is my children, which is just like if, depending on which culture you're in, it would just be mijo, mijo, come here, I want to talk to you. It's an intimate kind of just this is between us, and this is what he's saying to his disciples. He knows he's going to die. These are his last words. If you have known anyone who's gone through a process of death, where they knew it was coming, my uncle uh, had an issue with cancer. We knew it was coming. We prayed and prayed. We did all the things we were supposed to do as a follower of Jesus, asking for a miracle, but it was coming. And so when he spoke in those final days, you would listen. Okay, everybody, shh. Isn't that what you'd do? Uh, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, someone's passing. We say, shh, they're talking. This is where we meet Jesus. Shh, mijo. I will be with you only a little longer. This is it. This is, these are my last words. Like, you guys got to get this. A new command I give to you. Oh, it's a new command. Oh, my. Everybody, shh, 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 shh. Come here. What is it, Jesus? What's the new command? We've seen some other ones about compassion and healing and little children. Let them come unto me and all these things. We've kind of gathered all these things. It's very simple. Just love one another. 
That's it. Lord, thank you for this sermon. No, uh, just love one another. These are his last words to his disciples. You have got to get this down. It's the only way you're going to be any different than any other culture that's trying to gain power. The way you are going to do it is through love. You say, well, love each other. It's so general and generic. I, my pastor loves tacos and Tom Brady. I mean, we're getting rid of him, but I mean, until then, like, what is love? What is that? And then Jesus does something I wish he didn't do. He qualifies it. He unpacks it. He's like, I know you guys, we're talking about love, and I know you have all your different ideas of love. So here we are. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's hard. It's hard, especially nowadays when we have access to so much information. And we get insular in our little church, right? In our church, we're that. And then we have the broader church. We've got churches in the neighborhood. And then we've got the big C church, which is church. Like that's in every other country and all those types of things. And Jesus just makes it really clear. How I did it, that's how you're going to do it. Remember Nathaniel? Nathaniel comes to Jesus. They, they, they t tell Nathaniel, hey, uh, we found the Messiah, Right? And then Nathaniel is like, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a Raider fan. Nathaniel's like, what? no good thing can come out of being a Raider, right? right? That's my Raider joke. Right? He says, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Okay. Nathaniel was talking about Jesus and basically saying, where you were born, you're, that culture of Nazareth, the way they, they are, I know if you met one Nazarene, you've met them all. What good could come out of Nazareth? Jesus is like, you, that's who I want. I want Nathaniel. Matthew was essentially stealing from people, right? From his own people. And Jesus is like, hmm, who should I get for disciple number six? What about that tax collector guy? Oh, no, not him. He's, a, he's, a, he, he's horrible. He's the worst of the worst. Yeah, let's bring him on. What about Judas? What about Judas? Do we love Judas? Like I said before, Jesus washed Judas' feet. Wait, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Oh, you don't have to agree on everything? No. Uh -uh. Mm -mm. Watch this. By this, everyone will know. How we love each other, how you love those people around you. <laughs> Here's the point, guys. We don't have that much time left whether or not Jesus comes or whether we just live our normal, in our case, 110 years on this planet, right? This is it. How we love each other is going to be the deciding factor. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Like, you'll just see it. It'll drip off of you. You'll be Jesus in the situations you go into. He, so he goes on and he gets a little distracted because the disciples are like, okay, hold up. Where are you going? You know, and Jesus is like, oh, look, where I'm going, you can't go. And, you know, Peter starts, of course, it's typical Peter, who I wouldn't have as a disciple. It's like way too much work, but 
apparently it turned out okay. Uh, and so P Peter's like, I want to go with you. He's like, you can't go with you. You're going to deny me. They get into all that. Thomas is like, hey, just show us the Father and uh, we'll be good. Jesus is like, this is it. This is it. You, got, you just saw the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm God in the flesh. Okay? So he goes through all those things. And then it's almost like as you read it, and definitely this week, read uh, John chapters 13 through 17. It's really, really cool to see Jesus in the light of these are his last words, right? Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So then he goes through a few chapters, and then he goes back chapter 15. This is my command. This is it. Little children. He doesn't say it this time. It's like he's coming back to what he was saying before. This is it. How you love is going to be the litmus test of how close you are to Jesus. This is my commandment that you love one another. It's a good thing he didn't do the thing he did before. Maybe he forgot as I have loved you. Like maybe now we've distracted him with the whole like, hey, where are you going? What's it? Let's forget that part. And so he comes back. This is my command that you love one another. And he's like, no, no, I didn't forget. Just as I have loved you. There is a criteria to the love. So he goes on. He says, greater love is no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Oh, that's goodness then. Back to the beginning of the list. You just do what Jesus wants you to do. You live a good life. You learn some knowledge. Learn some Bible. Uh, you get some self-control. You persevere as long as you can. You get your small group. You got your brotherly kindness in there. And then uh, love. He says, no, no, no. Uh, you are my friends if you do what I command. This I command you, love one another. Like that's where you start. Here's what you find out. The thing with the list is even if you got all six and you don't get this seventh one, the first six are kind of useless. Right? Does it really matter how much you know if you don't love people? Maybe. I don't know what your theology is. Does it really matter? I mean, unless you're like in it, up to your elbows in life with somebody, knowing they don't believe the same you do, knowing you, and you're just going through life, and you're helping them through, and you're just like in it. Do they care how much Bible you know? They do not. They want to know you care. So I told you this was four chapters long. In, verse, in chapter 17, he comes back to it, and he's praying to his heavenly Father. This is what he prays. My prayer is not for them alone. In other words, the 12. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, you, you and I, everyone who's followed, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, May they also be us. What in us? What? So that the world may believe. Because it's hard. And when you see it happening, when you see people who love each other that aren't supposed to be loving each other, it's beautiful. It's Jesus. That's it. That's the telos. That's the end goal. They believe that you have sent me. 
So, so Jesus goes through all this, and, and of course, he g- gives the greatest display of love, dying for our sins. I mean, a bit, essentially, this is the gospel wrapped up. The gospel is merely this, that we were all hardwired to be broken when we were born. We were born in sin. We have a tendency to just go after our own things. We have a sen- tendency to get our feelings hurt very easily. That's just kind of wired into us. And then you, you, you throw, you, you, you like gaslight it with, uh, with culture, and then it's just it's crazy. The gospel is this. We're broken. But then Jesus comes to show what God in the flesh is supposed to live like. But then we can't get rid of our sin. So he dies for our sin, being the perfect uh, and only substitute for it. That we're then set free from our sin. Set free from the bondage of sin and death. And then we go on to spend eternity with him. Well, all of that without any love doesn't really make any sense, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That we should then accept him into our lives and be unloving? It doesn't make any sense. So what had happened was the church began to grow. Remember the church, Jesus said it himself, the church will not prevail. Nothing can prevail against the church. Gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. And so it's going along and then the church gets together. And guess what the church is made up of? Humans come to find out. And humans, when you put them together in a whole bunch of settings, they start to tribalize. It's part of our brokenness. Tribalism is part of our brokenness, okay? And so that's what happens. And so the educated people hang out with the educated people. And the people who aren't educated hang out with them. And the brown people hang out with brown people. And the white people hang out with white people. And this is what was happening in the church of Corinth. And they're like, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. So Paul writes to this church He writes, at least we know three. We have two of the letters. We know there were at least three. There could have been more. Because Paul is trying to flesh out, Jesus is gone. You now have uh, some writings and the Holy Spirit. And now you've got to make sure you're loving each other. That's it. So he goes on to one of the famous sections of scripture in in the Bible. I preach this or talk about it at every wedding I go to. You've probably heard it. It's called the love chapter. And if I marry, I can see some people in here that I've married as an officiant. Not, we weren't once married. And, and, and uh, I've probably talked about this in marriage. Love is patient. Love is kind. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Guess what? Paul wasn't writing to married couples when he wrote this. He was writing to the church. This is for the church. This is for brothers and sisters who are followers of Jesus. He says this, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, in other words, I'm really spiritual. I know a lot of things about the Bible. I have maybe the gift of tongues or whatever. Paul isn't, this isn't a teaching on the gifts of the spirit, although you could derive some things from it if you wanted. This is him talking to a church. And he says, if you can speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but you don't have love, you don't make it all the way to seven in the list that Peter wrote about, or you just think that there's something about being good that's going to bring you closer to Jesus rather than it just being a segment of that. He says, there's a word for people like that. There's an image I want you to see. 
of what happens to my life if I spend all my life trying to grow and trying to grow and trying to do the right thing, trying to do the right thing, but I, I'm missing the love element. And I can picture Paul. I believe personally that the Bible is the inspired word of God. I believe that the Holy Spirit uh, had something to do with every single word that's in the word of God. Okay, but I also know it was written by humans. And so I don't think Paul just like went to a trance and just started writing feverishly, right? He worked through this. He labored over this church. He knows this church. And he's looking at it and he's going, this isn't right. The way the church is handling it with each other. And I'm not talking about Living Springs so much as I am just big C American Christianity. We're doing it wrong. And so he, he's sitting there with his pen, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he goes, I know the perfect example of what it's like to be spiritual without love. He was all excited, I would imagine. And this is the example he came out with. Oh, he says this. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but not do not have love, I have become uh, a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And a church like this, it's built perfectly wrong for acoustics, right? Like, like it's just not good for acoustics in this building. And so you can, if you have a, somebody playing an instrument and they're not, they're more concerned with the instrument than they are with how it affects the people around, then you have a problem. This is the example of a Christian who shows up and doesn't have love. They become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And it's so sad to me because of all the people on the planet that I would look to in a time of crisis, it would be a follower of Jesus. What ends up happening is we say, hey, we had this pandemic. Oh, my goodness. I've never had anything like it. Now, some of us have gone through, lived through a war. Some of us have fought in wars. Some of us have. So we, we understand difficulty and all that. I'm not saying that. But we've never seen in our lifetime something like the COVID-19, like just how crazy we all are, right? And so imagine you. You say, hey, you know what, Let's, I, I can't make sense of this thing. Let's ask Tom. He's been a follower of Jesus for 40 years. He goes to church. Tom, how have you been handling this? Like, how do you, like, what is, it makes sense of all this. How do you make sense of all this? And Tom says, well, the problem is, And that's how you handle COVID. <laughs> what? I really am good on the symbols. Um, right? But symbols, like a person who knows the symbol, right? They can play the bell up here. They can play, you listen to Jordan. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's all over the thing. He'll tell you, you hit this part of the edge, and then you can hit it with this part and this part of the stick or whatever. And it's like, yeah. It's so great in the hands of someone who, man, a, 40, a person who's been following Jesus for 40 years that understands this concept of love, I could just sit at their feet and listen, calm. <laughs> 
understanding who Jesus is, understanding their own sin and how deliverance has come. And then we get into one little crisis. And because we don't have love, we're just whacking away at this thing. And Paul says, that's it. That's what it looks like. To speak with the tongues of men and angels, to have faith to move mountains, right? All these things, what would make someone a great, oh my goodness, all the faith and crazy. You don't have love? Paul's like, that's what it is. That's what it sounds like in the church of Corinth right now, guys, is what he was writing. That's what it sounds like. To me, oftentimes, not always, it's what the American church sounds like. He says this, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith, he's like, he's like, I want to make sure I cover every little aspect. Because if you look down here, you'll kind of see little denominations, right? So like there's some charismatic, there's some who aren't as charismatic, right? He's like, I don't care what denomination you're in, I'm going to cover all of it. It's funny, my wife and I, um, we kind of theologically, you know, we're like, we're a step and step, like, right step, and then we kind of diverge a little bit. Not on anything important, okay? Don't worry about it. But, like, she kind of likes the pro- prophecy stuff more than I do. Um, and so she'll listen to this one guy uh, on the kind of, like, who looks at the times today and does all that. And um, I'm not really into that. But when you listen to this guy, you can hear the love in what he's saying. Like, there's no, there's no fevered pitch of anxiety and outrage. It's like, hey, here's a dream the Lord gave me, right? But you can see it in other ways, too. There was another, somebody sent me another thing on a, 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 pa, a Pacific pastor uh, that basically his whole message was to telling pastors, shame on you um, for not being open during COVID, right? Like, like, like. No mask, everything's supposed to, like shame on, like, like I was supposed to feel shame because of that. Like that's not, that, you can just see it. it. It doesn't matter, I'm not putting either one down or raising either one up. You can just see what it looks like. You've heard it too. When someone's come to you and talked to you about something in your life that maybe needed to change, and you have that person that you can tell, oh, they really love me. He goes on, he goes, if I know all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. What a waste. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, in other words, if I'm all about social justice and that's it and that's what I'm about, and I, but I don't do it because of love, if I surrender my body to be burned, in other words, I'm the greatest and I have not love, I, it profits me nothing. And then he goes on, he says, you want to see if it's working for you? If you're a noisy gong or you show up and you can add something to what's going on? Jeez, a broken gong and a clanging cymbal. He says, here's how you look at it. Love is patient. Are you patient? Love is kind. It's not jealous. It does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Uh Uh-oh. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. 
It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And as we pray for a marriage, as we're normally they're standing right here, we get to this next part and we say, this is our prayer for your marriage. And it is that love never fails. But now faith, hope, abide in these three, but the greatest of all of them is love. And he goes on and he talks a little bit about this and you think, well, okay, that's, that's awfully nice, but how do, how do I do that? Like, how do I, like, just do I, how do I love more? Like, how do you manufacture that? How do you love more? Well, he goes on and unfortunately, the way the Bible's written, we added a bunch of stuff later like we added red letters to Jesus' words. We did that later. Jesus didn't have somebody use a red pen, okay, when they were doing the Bible. The other thing we did is chapters and verses, which oftentimes is really, really helpful to help find things. But sometimes we end up truncating or we end up lopping off some things that we would normally not do. And in chapter 14, verse 1, Paul brings it right home and he says this. Pursue love. As the worship band returns, pursue it. This Greek word here really means persecute it. You're going to persecute it. You say, oh my goodness, like torture it? No, no, no. To persecute, you have to find it. You got to root it out. You got to see it. You got to walk into a thing. If I'm persecuting you, the, when I come into a room, I'm only looking for one person, you. Because I'm persecuting you. I'm chasing you down. I want to get a hold of you. That's persecution. That's pursuit. He says, do that, but with love. In your relationships, as you treat one another, and especially, especially as Christians treat Christians. We touched a little bit on it last week in brotherly kindness. This brings that to a whole new level. If I'm talking to a believer follower of Jesus, we can disagree on pretty much most stuff other than sin and salvation and Jesus and his atoning work on the cross, Holy Spirit. Other than that, how you voted, don't really care. This is, uh, I tried to come up with a perfect example of what it looks like to be enveloped in his love. And this happened at the beach yesterday. She's, well, she's probably plotting something against me, but I think, she's a, I think she's asleep. But I just thought it was fitting because the hat says love, love heals. Jesus is the hope of the world, period. That's it. The expression of Jesus is the church. We are literally his hands and feet. And we're it. That's how people are going to know how we love each other. And not just in your church. That's easy. You can make a church with people you love. That's, anyone can do that. That's no different than any other club you want to join. Join Rotary if you want to do that. You can do that. Rotary is important. But what makes a church different is that I got people with different ideas, different socioeconomic status, so different education, different paint job, whatever it is, and yet we're one, we're the same.
That's the goal of the list. And that's the goal of being a follower of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Lord God, um, this is so difficult. I don't know how you did it. Uh, Just being surrounded by 12 broken, raw people, different backgrounds, different educations. And yet you loved them. You laid down your life. Lord, would you teach us? As we go back to our social media platforms, we're about to post or click or respond or whatever. Would you teach us how to do that in love? Not in all caps. Lord, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to be able to follow you in a place uh, where we have our freedom and can read our Bibles and pray. Lord, may we not waste that this great opportunity to be a follower of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Typically, I have like a little homework assignment um, or something to to apply. And so I got a real easy one for you because I did it this morning. Uh, I just asked the Lord, Lord, where where am I falling short in this love thing? Hopefully it'll take you longer uh, to come up with the answer than the Lord gave me, which is about two seconds. And I'm like, hello, I'm a pastor. You know, he didn't care. Uh, It's going to look different for you, for each of us in our context, right? Because we don't all hang out with each other. Typically, we might hang out with a few of you or whatever. But here's your thing. Go before the Lord. The same Holy Spirit that penned the words that... To do these things without love, you're a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. That same Holy Spirit will reveal to you personally, where do I need help? Where do I need to apply this? And he's going to also give you the way to do it. So now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his strength, in his joy, in his peace, and in his presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.